Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello, beloved. Uh, welcome back. Uh, what a wonderful privilege to be continuing sharing the Word of God with you in this special way today. I'm going to start immediately with prayer as we go into the Word and continue growing in all that God has for us. So, Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the way you love. I thank you that everything is yours. All our heart is yours and everything in creation is yours and everything sings of your beauty. Father, so as we listen to your word, Father, as we continue to grow step by step in your will, thank you that it is transforming us into this image of who we already are, sons and daughters of God. Father, I thank you that the word has power and that it has the power to bind up the broken heart today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. So the title for today is Walking with Jesus, and we're in kind of like a series where we are continuing looking at what happened after Jesus was risen from the grave and how that impacts us today. So we need to um, look at it in the way that the scriptures tell us what happens. I used the example last time that if a new political leader just took reign of a country, we will be very interested in what would be his first commands, what would be the first things he changes, what would be the very first steps he takes as he then takes up his rule and reign. How much more not when we see the kingdom of God coming to earth through Jesus' resurrection. And so we did stop last week and we looked at the open grave. We looked at what happened with a woman. We learned some things and pulled things there from what Jesus did some of the first things he did. And we are going to continue with something that happens next. Now, we know from what happened first that there was um, angels had told women and the woman had told the disciples that Jesus is going ahead of them to Galilee. They need to wait there at Galilee. Not all of them have seen Jesus risen yet. Some of them have. And the next thing that happens that is recorded for us is that two disciples are walking somewhere. Now, before we get into that, I want us to really turn to Isaiah 61 verse 1. Um, because in Isaiah, Isaiah is a prophet who gives a lot of prophetic word about the, the work that the Messiah would accomplish while he is on earth. So in Isaiah 61, we read this. Referring to Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. What a wonderful, wonderful reality. This is a promise. This is what the Messiah would do. He would have the Spirit of God upon him, bringing good news and he is actually sent to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives. That is incredible, you know. Um, we even see this repeated in the life of Jesus. In Luke, while Jesus is in the temple, he asks them to give him the scrolls. And in Luke 4, you can go to Luke 4, we see in verse 18, Jesus is reading this part of scripture 
in his day to the people there. And he reads the same scripture and then he says something very, very radical. He reads in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then in verse 21, he closes the book. He sits down in 21. He says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So we need to know for sure that Jesus came. One of the things he came to do is to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, if you've ever struggled through something, if you've ever been emotional about something, if you've ever suffered great loss, you know what it's like to deal with a broken heart. You know what's the result of that. And you know how it can impact and greatly affect every part of your life um, and every part of the relationships around you. And so it's so important that we know and see that one of the first things that Jesus does in his ministry on earth, but also after the resurrection, is that he seeks to bind up broken hearts. And the second question we need to ask about that is, if this is what he does, how does he do it? Is he still doing it today? And how is the main way that he does this? Because if we know how he does it, then we can know for sure we do not need to live with broken hearts or sick hearts. So remember this as we go to the end of Luke and we see in Luke 24 a conversation with Jesus and a walking with a friend. Now we we as Christians many times say we walk with Jesus, but this actually happened um, while Jesus was on earth as well. And so when we read this passage, my prayer And the desire of my heart is that you may see how beautiful God is and how radical Jesus is in bringing us to healing and wholeness so that we may see him for who he really is. And when we see him for who he really is, it does bring complete wholeness in every area of our life. So we're reading from verse 13. It says, the road to Emmaus. So we're going to take it slow. I'm going to pause and stop. So just keep this part of scripture open. We're going to stay here for the rest of the time. So in verse 13, we see, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, the two of them is referring to some of the disciples. That very day is referring to the same day that they hear the news that Jesus um, has risen, or the very least what they heard is the grave is open and the women have said they've seen angels. Okay. They are now heading to Emmaus. Okay. Now, first thing we hear, we see here is first of all, they were heading away from where the other disciples were. That's never a good idea. In our life, no matter what's happening, we should never be heading in a direction away from those who believe with us. Doesn't matter what's happening. Um, there we should not be heading in a different direction. Um, the second thing we see there is that this is not the right direction. Jesus's specific command and clear command was meet me in Galilee. He's going ahead of you, go to Galilee. This is his instruction, okay? And yet these disciples were going in a completely different direction. This is not a detour to get to Galilee, If you go and look up anywhere, you will see that this is completely not in the right direction. 
Okay, why were they going there? God had called them to one, be together, but also two, to meet him at Galilee. Okay, this proves to us something very important. We could be going and we could be saying that it's in the name of the Lord. But when we are going, we need to make sure that we are going in the direction that God has called us to. And this might be a bit of a correction, but we have to start with that. We have to start by saying, God, where are you calling us to? And as we go, keep on listening to where where it is he wants us, you know. And I'm all for going. Rather go and get it wrong than stay and wait forever. But as you go, listen carefully. I've recently even asked the Lord, Lord, have I obeyed your last, command, your last command? Have I been sincerely obeying what you have asked me or instructed me to do um, the day before? And um, this is such an awesome prayer to keep us sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay. We see the second thing that's happening here in verse 14. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Okay. Very important. They were talking about what? Think about it. They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about his death. They were talking about the grave. They were talking about what the what the angels had said to them, the woman, the woman, the report, the disciples. They were talking about Jesus, okay? But as they were talking about him and what they were saying about him was not producing true repentance. It wasn't making them turn around and go in the right direction. It also was not bringing them any life. How can we know this? Well, look what happens in verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, remember now they're talking and discussing things about Jesus, Jesus himself approached and began walking with them. Okay, this is very important. They were talking about Jesus, yet Jesus comes and walks with them. Okay, what happens next? But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. So what we need to see here is that Jesus comes to walk with them. Say that with me. Jesus comes to walk with them. Okay? Their eyes were not closed by God. I used to believe for years that their eyes were closed by God. But after studying this a bit and and really meditating on it, I realized the likelihood is greater that their eyes were closed because of what they had just experienced. All of us can associate with traumatic experiences that's happened in our lives where it's so traumatic or our mind is so on that thing that it does partially blind our sight. I remember walking with someone through a very traumatic event and even me, who I was not even going through the event, I was just walking with her through it. I couldn't see things clearly for a while. I felt like I was going through what she was going through. And... um it can blind you. I mean, if you are just in a very serious conversation about something traumatic, um, it can, I mean, I've, I've been driving sometimes and I go in the wrong direction simply because I am focusing so much on the conversation. And so I really believe that it is more likely, not that their eyes were closed or shut by God. Why? Jesus, he wants to reveal Jesus. But one, what they were talking about was holding their heart. That, uh, If you look in the original, that work, the word that their eyes were closed is to hold, to have power over, to restrain. Is that what they were talking about, Jesus, although it was facts, it was restraining their hearts. Okay, 
uh, or realities. It wasn't the truth about Jesus. Secondly, their eyes were being closed because of this traumatic event that's just happened in their lives. And their hearts were broken. We see the end of verse 17 says, they looked sad. Now, this is um, something that's really true. If a woman is sad, you will pick it up quite quick. But a man, for a man to look sad, some of the versions even says that their appearance fell. That that means that they are more than sad, that there is something so deeply disturbing in their hearts, that their heart is experiencing a brokenness as Jesus comes to walk with them. And he says, what are you talking about? And so <clears throat> we can see here that they were so sad that the condition of their heart and what they were talking about together was not helping them to see Jesus at all. In fact, it was preventing them from seeing Jesus as alive. Okay, The news they had about Jesus wasn't producing life. It was binding up their hearts in further brokenness. Sometimes we get news that does that as well. And sometimes we get news about Jesus that the result is not a change of heart. And if, the, if what we're hearing about Jesus is not producing life in our heart, it cannot be the gospel. Okay, now let's look at what they say next. Jesus has asked them a very sincere question. Now, one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of the God, in the sight of God, and all the people, and how the chief priests and how rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it would be he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said to them he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman also had said, but him they did not see. So look at how they see Jesus in this condition they're in. They see him as a mighty prophet indeed and in, indeed and in word. They see him as someone to be hoped in. They see him as a, a possible redeemer. That was the, what they were hoping for. But they don't see him for who he really is. They couldn't. Their eyes were so focused on what was happening in their circumstances that suddenly it really did prevent them from seeing who he really was. You see, just to know that Jesus was good, that he was mighty, that he was a good man, a great teacher, or even a mighty prophet, will never truly bring the transformation in our life that we want to. And it cannot produce a binding up of broken hearts. How we see Jesus will always affect our walk with him. If we are not convinced about who Jesus is in his resurrection, then everything he has done on earth Everything he is doing on earth will not bring us to a place of receiving healing in our own heart. Now look what he says to them. This, is, this should encourage us, actually, what he says. Should correct us as well. And he said to them in verse 25, O foolish men 
and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. So, wow, he says, oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe. Now, that word foolish, anoetos, means unintelligent, not understanding, and unwise. Now, although he is saying that they are like that, the, the actual meaning of this is that he is saying, your understanding, what you are talking about, and what you are thinking about is unintelligent without understanding and not wise. Okay? Then he goes on to say, as if it's not enough, he says you are slow. That word is bradus, and it means to be dull, inactive, or slow to apprehend. So because they were not understanding, they were unwise about what had happened in these events, it had a result And the result was that their heart was now dull. It was slow. It was inactive. Listen carefully. When we cannot clearly understand what Jesus came to do through the cross and the open grave, when we don't understand the words it is finished, when we don't understand the new covenant as explained in the apostolic letters, when we don't understand it, the result is we become slow. We become dull, inactive, and slow to apprehend the things that God has for us. And where does this take place? Well, it takes place in our heart. Think about it. A heart is the word cardia, and it can represent either the physical heart or the thoughts and feelings or the middle part of a person. Now, we know from medical science that a heart pumps blood around um, the body. And we know also that it produce, uh, it sends a lot of oxygen and nutrients to all the parts of the body. And when the heart is sick, the whole body is sick. And so when our thoughts and feelings, which is the very middle part of our person, our being, when that is sick, when we cannot see Jesus, understand what he did, be wise in what he did, and bring, when, when we can't understand it like that, it It reduces a whole sickness to everything we understand about God. It makes us slow to believe. I do not want to be slow to believe. Do you want to be slow to believe? I want to be quick to believe. I want my heart to be quick to believe the report, to believe the scriptures and to understand it. Now, what were they slow to believe? What was causing their sickness in their heart? The sadness. What was it? They were not believing all that the prophets had spoken. What was Jesus pointing them to? How was he about to heal up their broken heart? Okay. He was pointing them to that which they already knew in the scriptures. Listen carefully. Sometimes what we think we need is we need another prayer. We need someone to lay hands on us. We need to just pray more, fast more. We need a vision of Jesus. We need um, all these other things, whatever else. A word of encouragement. If someone would just send a word of confirmation. And yet, what does Jesus do? He says, you know enough. What you know is without understanding, and because it's un, uh, without understanding, it's calling, causing you to be dull and slow to understand who I am in that which is already written. Listen carefully. If we want to live lives where our hearts are continuously bind, by, being bound up by truth, continuously healed and revealing who Jesus is, we need to go to his word. 
because his word, the scriptures, is what heals us. Now, of course, we know that not all the Bible has the gospel. The Bible has been written to reveal the gospel. Not all of it is the gospel. We have to see it through Jesus. And that's what's going to happen now. Look, look, Jesus didn't point to himself and say, look, here I am. He pointed them to the scriptures. Now, this word all, we must be careful. The word all refers to the context it is written in. Okay, so it's not all. He wasn't saying all, every single um verse of the scriptures, which is referring to Genesis to Malachi, he wasn't saying all, every single one of them points to it. There's scriptures in there that points to how to use the toilet. That was not speaking about Jesus, the Messiah, okay? But there are so many pointing us to there. He's saying all with reference to what they are speaking about. Let's go to those scriptures, what he was saying, okay? Now, when we go to the scriptures without Jesus, we cannot receive life. He himself said, you go to the scripture seeking for life, yet here I am and you will not receive me. Now look at verse 27. Then beginning with Moses, that's the first book of the Bible, and with all the prophets, that's the rest, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. He wasn't just telling them this is the how you should read the scriptures now. No, he was saying this is what pertains to me. Okay, that is incredible. Oh, verse 26. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? He's pointing to himself through the scriptures. What is the result then of seeing Jesus in the scriptures? Genesis to Malachi. What is the result? I want you to see here. He's explaining himself in the scriptures. And now at verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. Isn't that interesting? He was acting as if he's going to go further. Here they are walking in the complete opposite direction, or not opposite, but wrong direction of where Jesus had called them to go. And now Jesus is kind of like doing the same to them. He, he, he's like, okay, I'll just continue. And yet what is the result of hearing about Jesus? In the scriptures, what is the result? They say, please stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Isn't that beautiful? They didn't just invite him for a coffee. They invited him over to stay with them. You know, when we see Jesus for who he really, who he really is in the scriptures, our hearts will have the same response. Stay, stay with us. You know, that is a personal invitation. And, and Jesus doesn't say, oh, I've got other stuff to do. He goes with them, dines with them. And um, in doing so, look at what is the result. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. I wonder if while they were walking with him, while he was explaining, I wonder if they started to think, you sound just like Jesus. Because they have heard him before explaining. And then suddenly when he comes and he's there in their personal space, dining with them, and he breaks that bread, which he's done so many times before, and they walk with him. And they see it. Finally, they start to believe. Finally, they see it. And what happens? Their eyes are opened. The beautiful thing about that word open, remember this eye is not just referring to their physical eyes. It is referring, it can be a metaphor as well, is seeing with the eyes of their heart. 
you see. So their eyes, their understanding was now opened. They were now no longer foolish in their thinking or slow to believe. Now, when they saw him, they're like, it's him, they got it. And guess what? It opened thoroughly their understanding. In fact, this word, dianoigo, is actually referring to the opening of the womb for the first time, like when a child is born for the first time and it opens the womb of a woman. And so their understanding now became truly and thoroughly clear and they saw who he was. And watch what happens to their hearts, okay? In the seeing of him, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us. How was he binding up their heart? This word to burn means to set on fire, to consume, to kindle. They went from hearts that were broken, that needed healing, that prevented them from seeing who Jesus really was because they couldn't understand him from the scriptures. They they couldn't see who he was. They were looking at their circumstances. They were looking at what's happening around them. They couldn't make sense of it. And as they walked with Jesus and he explained himself in the scriptures, a true opening of their understanding happened and their hearts, while he was explaining, was being set on fire. And therefore he healed their broken hearts. What opened their eyes and binded up their broken heart was seeing Jesus in the scriptures for who he really was. Walking with Jesus like that has an incredible result in our life. Look what it does. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen. That, he, that they didn't say before. And he appeared to Simon. Isn't this beautiful? You can continue reading on your own. The, the walk with Jesus, the walk with Jesus changed the walk without Jesus when they were going back. They were not talking about the same things. I promise you that. I'm sure walking back felt like nothing compared to walking there. You see, this is true repentance. They had heard the truth. It ignited their hearts. It burnt like fire in their hearts. And they couldn't wait to go and share that with others. They walk all the way back to where they were supposed to be. You see, when we see him for who he really is, it does bring about true repentance as he sets us on the right course for our lives, binding up our broken heart so that we may understand and fully recognize who he is. He has no more desire to hide and and to hide himself and we can't say scriptures anymore like um, who can know the will of God we can know the will of God for he has come to explain himself to us what a God we serve so my dear friend and beloved child of God I want to encourage you today wherever your heart might be stuck wherever things around you are looking like it's never going to change wherever you've experienced such dark dark trauma in your life Walk with Jesus. And that might mean you need to be walking with a friend who can tell you about Jesus. But then it has to be a friend who's telling you the truth about Jesus as the resurrected King of Kings. 
Maybe you need one of those. Reach out. Reach out to us. Reach out to someone. Um, or maybe it means that you really do need to get back to the scriptures and stop praying for something, a sign. Stop going to the next meeting where you want to be prayed over and hands laid and you waiting for a message of confirmation or some encouragement. But you really need to start studying the word for yourself and discovering who Jesus really is, that he is God Almighty. Whatever needs to happen, I can guarantee you that Jesus does not want you to live the rest of your life with a broken heart. But he has come. He has come to do the will of the Father so that our hearts might be completely bind, bounded up, healed and restored in a position of righteousness, knowing that he has done it all, that he became sin so that we would become righteousness, his righteousness, right in front of him, walking in the calling and the giftings of the Lord, so that we may fulfill the great call to go and share this news with everyone. Father, we want to praise you now that as we just got into the word and as we discovered this beautiful truth on the road to Amos, may we always find ourselves on the road to Galilee, walking in the direction of Jesus. Holy Spirit, set our hearts ablaze on fire and heal every broken part that shouldn't be there, that has no right to stay there. As we look unto you, Jesus, and say, show me who you are in Scripture. God, reveal yourself every day anew. May this never become boring or old. And may my heart, therefore, because I understand, be quick to believe that you are who you say you are. Thank you, Father, that we know you are not the author of evil or bad, but that you are the one who turns it into great good. That wherever anybody listening to the sound of my voice has experienced trauma, that you will show them who you are and who you are not. And bring complete wholeness through your word and through your scriptures to those hearts. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co.